welcome to part two of my interview with Alastair Planbeck and Julie Roxanne Krikorian. In this episode, we explore how, despite a successful career as a startup manager, Alastair still felt like an outsider. How a diagnosis of Hashimoto's disease and an ayahuasca meditation retreat prompted questions for Alistair about the direction and meaning of his life. You know, the way I would describe it, I had chronic fatigue and I'd describe it as um, it felt like I was always walking up a like muddy hill. That's how all of the time felt. Even if I got, no matter how much sleep I got, you know, and, there was, and I always felt like, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just relish in the fact that I'd have more sleep. And, and like, I was always tired in the morning. I was drinking a ton of coffee to, to be awake. And that was not helping with my anxiety. There's all these kind of feedback loops that, that were going the wrong way. And how Julie Roxanne and Alistair are using their experiences to help others through their far out life, business and podcast. I'm Simon Ratcliffe and this is Turning the Tables, a podcast dedicated to the candid, powerful stories of people who have turned around adversity in their personal or business lives to find new purpose and meaning. Each episode, my guests share their insight about how to turn adversity into advantage. By college, I had got into a lot of habits. Um, I was, I, re, I, I went to study at San Diego State. I didn't really have much direction. No, it wasn't very, I was kind of trying to, I don't know. I was kind of tuning into like Timothy Leary kind of stuff. You know, what was it? Tune in or tune in, drop out, whatever. Turn on, tune in, drop out. I, I, I was kind of identifying as the outsider and I, I was uh, smoking pot every day. Um, and I was partying, you know, at least probably three times a week and that seemed normal and all my friends are doing that. So that like that, you get in those bubbles where it's like a feedback loop and you don't really realize that this is like not great behavior. And that also, I think dug some pretty deep trenches that I had to climb out of later in my life, um, after college. Cause it wasn't particularly problematic in college. I, I graduated with a, with a 3.8 GPA. I, I like, you know, was in an honors program for a while. I had no problems with school. School was easy. Um, and, but I didn't, I didn't really find any mentors. There was no one really guiding me uh, or, or helping me like realize, um, more of, of my potential. And, and, uh, I do criticize San Diego state a little bit for that because it's really a diploma factory um, in some ways. And it's easy not to say that they don't care, but it is easy to get lost there. Um, when you take on, you know, 30, 40,000 students and I got lost there. I think probably that scenario that you're describing is familiar to, I think, a lot of students and, and arguably their parents who, who sort of drawn into this educational typhoon of, of achievement. Yeah. And you know what? I think if I go, if I take myself back to that time, part of this rebellious behavior or this dropout behavior was because the future looked bleak. It was, it just looked 
it did, it was not inspiring. You know, it was like you go because the, the overall message of going to college was get a job. Like mm-hmm. you're going to college so you can get a job. And at least that's a message I received. I feel like that's a message a lot of us get, at least as Americans. It's like college has kind of turned into what you need to do to get a safe, secure, good job rather than like... And I think that's paralleled exactly in, in, in here in, in the UK as yeah. well. Yeah, and that's exactly that sucks um, because I wish, I wish someone would have like slapped me across the face and be like, look, you got four years, your dad's paying for your education, like go find yourself, you know, like go, go yeah. explore, like get some, ed- like just explore the things you want. But um, I didn't do that. Um, I, you know, I explored some things. Um, one of them being psychedelics, but I, I mean, my, 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 my college classes were. Fine. Are you sure that was on the curriculum? <laughs> no, that one wasn't. Um, but so, I, I I had a good time, but I just um, I I, th- I think the the message coming out was bleak. Was like this is all to get a job, and I wish someone would have just kind of slapped me. It, like like I said, kind of told me there was another way I could have looked at this. Um, I ended up. I was, I had a, uh, my girlfriend and I had been together for four and a half years and she broke up with me after college. Um, and that triggered a depression that lasted for years. Um, I was chronically depressed, but I wasn't diagnosed. Um, I, that was a really difficult period in my life. Um, it was really, really black and a kind of, you know, the best part of your day was before you woke up. Um, that's, that's how most days felt. And, uh, waking up was usually the most difficult part of your day. And I got through that, but, and then I ended up, you know, becoming a pretty successful manager of startup uh, for the next five years. I had studied finance because, well, hell, if I'm going to have to get a job, I might as well get one that pays a lot. So that's what I did, even though, you know, studying corporate finance wasn't very interesting. Um, and, uh, but I ended up, I got lucky. I got a job off of Craigslist, which is kind of like an online classified here in the U S and, uh, and, and, uh, I got on the ground floor of a, of a kind of independent, um, startup in San Diego and, uh, I had a good ride with them. Uh, we went for five years, uh, before I ended up leaving. Um, and, uh, I, I learned a lot. It was a very high pressure situation though. Um, and I was experiencing a lot of anxiety And as I got to 26, 27, it was getting really intense. Um, I was extraordinarily anxious. I was so tired all the time. And I was battling with bouts of depression that remind, like I had never gone back to those two years, but I was having weeks um, like that. And that they would just grab me from behind. And then I'm just, I was in the hole and I'd have to like find a way out. And I knew things weren't right. And I felt like I was kind of desperately trying to run from something, some, some darkness behind me. You know, the way I would describe it, I had chronic fatigue and I'd describe it as, um, it felt like I was always walking up a like muddy hill. That's how all the time felt. Even if I got, no matter how much sleep I got, you know, and, it was, and I always felt like, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just relish in the fact that I'd have more sleep. And, and like, I was always tired in the morning. I was drinking a ton of coffee to, to be awake. And that was not helping with my anxiety. There's all these kind of feedback loops that, that were going the wrong way. And then I'd need to drink, you know, kind of later to calm down and stuff. It was all bad. 
Um, and then I had a series of events around when I was 27. At this point, I was on the ver like I, I I was I was making six figures. I had a really good setup. I was the general manager. I was basically the boss. Uh, the partners were doing other things. I had a team of about 20, um, kind of all over the the world. And uh, I had my I like set my schedule and everything. I had a dream job as far as um, or college would have told me, and I was far ahead of most of my peers as seemed to be. Um, and I just had a moment of crisis. I was like, is this it? Like, where am I? Like what's next? You know, I think this is probably where people in more of a corporate structure get to in their late thirties or forties, potentially. Um, I think I got there a lot earlier and just realized this is bullshit. And they're like, there's nothing at the end of this ladder. It sucks. <laughs> I, I think there's a, also, it's a very interesting point. Cause I think there is a generational thing here in that, you know, arguably people in my generation were much more accepting of the classic, story of achievement which is you know 2.4 children you know a nice house a nice car holidays and uh, progressing in your generally corporate job and that comes to a head as you say I think a little later on you know that may be in your 40s and your 50s whatever wherever it might be when when the question is asked is the same one that you're asking but you were asking it many years before that which is what is the point of all this yeah um yeah i i just i think i got i kind of got to that point a little faster for whatever reason um and also i had driven myself there because i was really unhealthy at this point i wasn't eating well and things like that so i was pretty desperate um and uh a few things happened all in the streak of a year that were pretty formative. Um, the first was that I had a girlfriend at the time and our relationship was good, but it wasn't great. And I think in a relationship that can be maybe the worst thing. Um, I remember we sat down to talk about it and I didn't, we didn't know we were just both like, there's something wrong here. And we sat down and then we just ended up being really honest with each other. It was kind of weird. Like, uh, we just both just laid it out like for, for each other. And it wasn't mean or anything. It was just honest and it was refreshing. And by the end of it, it was obvious there was nothing we could do, but break up. And I remember like breaking down crying and just being like, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. Like I'm terrified about going through this alone. And, um, and so that was the first major thing Later in that year, I decided to leave my business, the the job, I, this, this dream job I had to start work with a, a partner who was working on something that was a little closer to my heart, but didn't pay anything really. Um, and so I just, uh, you know, on my annual review where usually I negotiate for 20% more or something like that, or 30% more, whatever it was, and our numbers had been stellar. Um, I just said, I'm leaving. Uh, that's it. And I did. And I took um, a couple of weeks off in between switching into this new startup um, to go to Peru with a friend. And while we were there, we went on a three-day two-ceremony ayahuasca retreat. Um, and so this was a major crossroads at this point. Like, um, I had 
would I, this is where my awakening came, like especially the second night of ayahuasca. Um, and you can kind of, it was kind of like the eye of the storm. Like I knew I'd gone through some of it and it, things are a little calm right now, but I knew it wasn't over. And I had a revelatory experience on ayahuasca. It was a really, really intense experience. And so that happened. And then I came back and I had seen a doctor right before I left because like the depression was knocking on the door again and things were at their worst or pretty bad. And they, I'd gotten some blood tests and stuff done and I got back and I got diagnosed with, um, a chronic autoimmune disease. I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is where the body attacks your thyroid and your thyroid's not producing the right amount of hormones. So it can result in a ton of problems, but some of them can be, uh, severe anxiety, chronic fatigue and depression. Um, and that like Julie Roxanne said, when she realized her trauma was a massive relief at first, just to be like, Oh my God, it's cause I thought it was just me. I thought I just couldn't handle things and everyone else could. And I didn't understand. So that becomes part of your identity. Mm. Um, and so there was a major relief in putting a name to it. And then there is a major shock that I'm, a. I thought I was a 27 year old healthy male. And this is a disease that for the most part, men don't get, um, and mainly women, uh, mainly after their thirties or whatever. Um, I, would, I don't know what the percentages are, but it's over, I think 90% women and I got it. And I'm a young man. Like what is wrong with, with my life? Like the, and, and, uh, that sent me on a massive journey to, and it was also a shock because I was going to have to take a pill every day, potentially for the rest of my life. I'm still taking that pill. Um, and, uh, that stunned me. It was like, I don't think any, I, it was a wake up call. Um, and that sent me on a, on a, on a healing journey. Um, and luckily now I had the time cause I was working at the startup that wasn't paying me and, and we were struggling to get things off the ground. Um, so my, I didn't have the, I wasn't a general manager that was burdened from the moment I got in the office to several hours after everyone else left. Um, so now I had time to start working with this and I started, I, I went through seven or eight doctors and I found myself at a Zen center, um, trying to, you know, approach it from different angles that the Zen part, um, that's when I was like formally introduced to kind of a traditional meditation practice. And that started as Julie Roxanne kind of also described, started really chipping away at the structure I had built and started really, the foundation started to crack. Uh, a Zen practice can do that to you. Um, it's, it, it's, yeah, it just realized I had built things on a house of cards mm. and, uh, this kind of, if going through the end of the year, I actually a little even longer, I ended up leaving the business partnership that I had started, which I realized I just recreated what I, <laughs> the situation I had at the last job, uh, in a new place, um, and wasn't working. That led to me, uh, basically getting rid of everything, um, picking up and, and leaving and traveling for a year by myself. I spent most of the time by myself. Um, and I started in, I started in the UK actually. And I, and I just kept going East and I crossed, uh, I crossed Eastern Europe. I, I crossed Central Asia and I ended up in India. Um, and then I ran into Julie Roxanne. It very fascinating story and, and of, of the parallels. So, bringing us up to today uh, you're happily married i guess my question is 
do you think meeting each other is part of your your mutual recovery in a way, I guess that's what I wanted to say. Absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot of truth in the fairy tales where the prince meets the, the princess. Um, I, I think I don't know if I would have been able to do the work if Julie Roxanne hadn't challenged me to. Um, like there's a certain level, I think, that I, I could do it on my own. But at some point... I do feel like I needed my feminine counterpart to kind of awaken and also challenge me and and sometimes to have more courage than I did often to have more courage than I did to like kind of to to provide that other side of me. Uh, And I would say like my personal growth after we met was explosive. Um, Like I feel like the speed of the journey has 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 just absolutely gone bonkers um since we met so it's really really sped things up and actually it's it's funny because i was thinking of that quote of like you know as far as journeying in life there's this quote that says alone you go faster but with a companion you go farther and i'm like i don't know if if we're not also going faster together there is a profound sense that our meeting was orchestrated and that there was a sense of a strong destiny of this is what you're meant to be doing because it just happened and there was such a, a strong energy uh, behind it that was just like there is no choice you have met it just feels so synchronistic and serendipitous it's it's like it was designed and and while i would have been reluctant to use the term soulmate just a few years ago i think in the true sense of the the term we are soulmates and and that doesn't mean oh we're gonna be together for the rest of our life and it's all gooey gooey and beautiful and romantic but we are we are souls that are friends and that needed to reunite in this lifetime to to get the work done and and um it's it's been incredible and you provide like Alistair provides such a base I feel like for me it's like a there's a strength and that's like the yang energy and the masculine energy there's a strength and a discipline that uh is it, I needed to cultivate in myself and so that yin and yang which which is a, which is apart from everything else is is a wonderful story but you're um I mean the the far out couple has has now also become the far out career in a way, isn't it because well, we're trying to go that way yeah <laughs> You you moved to Guatemala. I know you're not there now, but you moved to Guatemala. Um, you've got a adventure retreat business. You've started the Far Out podcast. So in many ways, this has grown a you know a, a, an entirely new life for you, hasn't it? Yeah, our, our tagline: uh, uh, the Far Out couple, the Far Out life. For our podcast is step off the beaten path, learn to live from your center and find your tribe. And I feel like that's really just the journey that we've been on. The obvious next step is to, you know, first it was me, then it was us. And it's kind of like reaching out and finding our tribe of other people that are interested in going on this kind of journey. And like 
what how how can we how can we facilitate that what ways can we can we provide a space for people to talk about that what have we learned what skills can we provide what experiences that can can we do this because it is very solo but um it can be very empowering to meet with other people that have chosen to go down that that path uh for themselves so i think it's kind of a an obvious question as all this happens is like okay well how do we find others doing this and what, how do we use this? And help them and support them. I mean, I was going to ask that, really. I, I'm wondering what, whether what you have experienced, there are, to some extent there's a, a generational... I wasn't I was going to say issue, but it's probably the wrong word for it, but, but uh, that, that is, is part of... The way that society is today. Do you, do you think there is something about the world we live in that is that is creating this need to find yourself and to look deeper into your desires and your meaning? I think there's always a need. Um, I I perhaps it's more pronounced now. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to. to to, to know but I think I think part of our story was like we both had this sense of like this like the way we were living our lives there was no meaning in it um, and like that was killing us and um, that doesn't mean that that didn't have meaning for other people I think maybe this is a particular disposition that some are unfortunate enough to have <laughs> I, I don't know but I, I don't know if this is the case for everybody but um, I I actually think you you are right in in saying that there's a generational component to this um, I don't think it, it means it's exclusive to our generation I think actually there is a general, I, I sense, and maybe it's just I run in those circles, but I actually feel that there's a really strong awakening going on at the, you know, humanities level. Uh, that doesn't mean everyone's, you know, becoming Buddha, but um, it, it, there's a there there is an awakening that I'm sensing. And I think while we um, we want to believe that we can exist in 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 a world that is not based around community and that is more individualistic and, and, and maybe kind of with the technology and everything, I sense that in our generation there is a strong uh, reaction from people in their 20s and 30s just saying like, hold on, is this it? this is what we get this is the life we're gonna get we're basically we're just why why what's the what's the meaning why are we doing this life thing and and there's a search for meaning that i don't think we uh, it w i think before and that doesn't mean it was good but i think a couple of generations back you didn't have to search for meaning because it was given to you you know like the the the, the structures in the community was providing that meaning and and but now we don't really have this and so i think there is a breaking down of meaning and that leads a lot of people um from all generations but a lot of people at this time in history to ask the questions why are we doing this what's going on here and i will also say that's something that might be fueling this search for some because actually one of the startups that i used to run was a group it was called junto um and it was a group it was a, a series of groups but we would meet weekly on friday nights to talk about life and to talk about what we were 
going through and this is when i was in my early mid-20s and one of the like we created this out of a need for ourselves because we couldn't find these conversations anywhere mm. we were having a hard time finding sincere conversations about life um and so we created groups that would meet weekly to do exactly that and it was a small group of people doing it but like everyone had that same thirst and hunger and everyone had that same like there's a realization when they came into the group like oh my god there's people actually talking about these things that like i can't i've never found a place to talk about so i do think that there's some there's definitely that going on and i do also think that you know i don't our gen- i think we're waking up like it's the cracks in the system are becoming so too obvious to ignore um whether they be personal or global i mean you you know i get an autoimmune disease and then i started noticing like holy shit everyone's got an autoimmune disease what's going on why is that like and and then that just starts to open pandora's box and or you know it's like okay uh you know this whole global warming thing (laughs) it's like it, right now we're in the bay area we're surrounded by wildfires the sky was yellow today <laughs> when we woke up uh, we haven't been able to go out for a lot of the last couple of weeks because the air quality has been too bad uh, these are the worst fires they're saying ever yeah, uh, uh, and that's apart from you know the coronavirus yeah. um so and i mean it doesn't i think these are specific examples but i think everyone's kind of getting kind of seeing their own and if you start following that thread back um it makes you it kind of makes you ask some hard questions about the way i'm living in the way we're collectively living and like what's the end goal here what's gonna you know like where is this gonna take us and uh and maybe that question those questions are even more pressing for our generation because and i feel that very intensely we are on the we are at the start of our lives like we are building our lives right now we just got married and we're looking ahead at what is our life going to look like and i i look at what my parents did and i realize i can't do that (laughs) it's not available for me to have the same kind of life that they did and thank god I, i i probably wouldn't want it anyways but it is in a lot of ways it is not available i i it's it's outrageously expensive to become a homeowner uh you know there's a lot of things it's like yeah our generations everyone's living in van is in vans and and converted uh, kind of mobile wheel home on wheels and that's very fashionable but it might also be because no one can afford to buy a house <laughs> absolutely a, pra- a practical solution but i'm interested i mean i think the i mean my observation is that there is an, a very significant increase in a sort of conscious awareness, if that's the right word for it. I mean, if you think about the teachings of people like Eckhart Tolle and people of that ilk, he he gets many, many thousands and arguably millions of people listening to his his work, whether it's through his books or or whether it's, you know, YouTube channel or whatever it might be, and and he's not alone. So I, I certainly think you're right to say there is a greater sense of a, you know, greater sense of consciousness that's evolving. Um, and it may, it may be that your, your generation is at the forefront of that, although I think it's also interesting. I would say that also my generation, you know, people in their 
fifties and sixties, I think they that they are starting to take notice of this whole question of why are we here? What's life around? Yeah, and you know, if we if we look at my story and Julie Roxanne's story, they both started with massive crises, mm. or and and from from a wound of some sort, um, self inflicted. In my case, and in some ways. Some afterward, your case, but not the original incident. But the, there's this idea that it starts around a crisis, and I feel, I wonder if maybe this conscious awakening that you're talking about has to do with more people being sick, more people being like tired, more people being at a point where they are reaching crisis, um, and that can be kind of, you know, we can say, oh man, that's terrible, but I do think that tends to be how change happens you know like human beings tend not to change if things are all good um so yeah. i think there is that encourage encouragement to me is it's most spiritual journeys start with a crisis well i think that i think that's absolutely right and and i mean on a practical level obviously in terms of mental health or illness i mean the 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 pressure of living the pace which people live at the amount of work they try to achieve you know that where if they have children how much of their how much they're invested in in their futures i think all those things are undoubtedly contributed to greater to greater illness and I think you're right about adversity being the thing which suddenly forces you to to reevaluate things. I was going to ask, as we sort of move to a conclusion, I was going to ask if you had to offer people advice in the sense of what did what have you learnt through going through that adversity in your life about how how to find fulfilment. What would you say? I. I would say, and it's an advice that I'm, I would give to myself too, because this work is never ending. Uh, I would say wherever you feel the most pain is where you need to bring your awareness and feel the pain. It's asking you to feel it. It's absolutely terrible. And I'm and I'm getting the, you know, the tension that I get when I don't want to go into the pain. But, you know, it's like you have to go inside the pain to experience the treasures that lie there. And time and time again, my experience has been this is the way and it's it is the work that we all need to do. Yeah, I would probably quote Joseph Campbell saying the same thing there. Um He's got a pretty famous quote uh, where he says, um, the cave you fear to enter is uh, where the treasure you seek lies, something along those lines. And I think over and over in my life, that's been true. Um, these, these, you know, I'm grateful for kind of the adversity I've gone through because I think it's brought me closer to who I was. And I think I was in mortal danger of... Uh, of losing that threat or of, 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 of losing that. So I, I think in a lot of ways it's been, been quite a blessing. And uh, I'll just add, I'll just add this last quote that I just thought of. I believe it's Aldous Huxley who said this, but I might be wrong. Um, and it says, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. So you're, we're not broken. Mm. We're not broken. We're actually 
we are the people leading us into the next age. Yeah, that's very, that's very profound and I think very, very insightful. Before we go, we must talk about what, what you're doing today and specifically, I'm sure the listeners would love to hear about your podcast and also just a little bit on, I, I know you've obviously had to curtail your retreats because of the, uh, the current uh, situation, but it would be great to hear about what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so you can find a lot of our projects at thefarout.life. Uh, that's our website. So www.thefarout.life. Um, and you will find our podcast there. Our podcast is called Far Out Adventures in Unconventional Living. And um, we have curtailed our retreats. We're hoping to start leading them again uh, next summer with uh, probably a pair of wilderness backpacking retreats over 10 days in Yosemite. Um, and those are like kind of, there's a big wilderness aspect to them, um, but they're very, they're aimed to be transformational. They're aimed to, to help you explore yourself where you're also exploring a, a beautiful part of the world. In the meantime, um, our retreat company, which is... Uh, currently called Ripple Out Retreats, um, probably going to change the name soon. Uh, we're doing online um, kind of workshops or retreats as well. And so we have a couple of those ones around exploring your personality and exploring consciousness through a Jungian type typology. Um, and another one that we're going to be launching pretty soon here is a, a money mastermind about helping you uh, manage your money mindfully and intentionally, um, and kind of understanding ourselves and also kind of managing our resources or, or we see those as kind of foundational parts of going on this journey for yourself. And of course, you're, you're very well qualified to talk about both those things. You, you being, you being, uh, having a, a finance background uh, and obviously you having both been through through this journey so i think yeah there are things that have uh, that have helped us um which which is uh we've had people have really beautiful transformational experiences on our retreats and i think we're excited to be able to uh offer that well, i'm again. sure there's a lot of people listening to this who who will be you know mentally booking themselves in if you see what i mean because i, I think you know what you what you've talked about. I'm sure touches many people's lives of all generations. So um, I, I thank you very much for your time and for a, a very honest, open, and, and insightful conversation. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for the opportunity to to tell our stories in that way. It's uh, it's been really cool and profound. Yeah, thank you for the invite. This is this has been an absolute pleasure. And although you are the far out couple, you're not that far out. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, progressively making my, our way there. It's it's a, it's a lifelong journey. <laughs> 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 Great, fantastic. Thank you so much. Once again, in Alice Dare and Julie Roxanne's story, we see how adversity and trauma have been the catalyst for a new and more fulfilling direction. I love Alice Dare's quote from Joseph Campbell. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. The rejection of conventional lifestyles for a more conscientious life is becoming more and more of a groundswell, particularly amongst younger generations of people who are unwilling or unable to tread the traditional path. Alastair and Julie Roxanne are great examples of how this is possible. 
you can contact Alastair and Julie Roxanne at thefaroutlife.com and their Far Out podcast, Adventures in Unconventional Living, is available on all good podcast channels. Thank you for listening to this episode of Turning the Tables. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and be sure to listen out for the next episode, where I again will be exploring with my guests how they turned adversity into advantage. See you next time. Go safely.